Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tennessee football is transitioning to preparation mode for its season opener against Virginia. John and I are still in prediction mode here on this edition of the Volunteer State. Welcome in. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels. John Adams, Adam Sparks, is unfortunately absent from us this week dealing with uh, internet outages tied to the storm damage that uh, he sustained at his place from uh, the the tornado that rolled through Knoxville. However, we have uh, a voice from afar. Mr. Sparks has uh, given me his opinion on the topics we will be discussing today, so I will be revealing his answers as a secret envelope reveal to... uh, reveal Adam's predictions and show how far off the mark maybe John and I are. I'm, I'm a little worried about this, John, because uh, if Adam were here, we could kind of de- debate against some of his opinions. Now he's just going to look like this genius from behind the curtain with a different answer and this typed up rationale for his answer that he sent in that's going to be hard to refute without him having to defend himself on the podcast here. Yes, it's, it's akin to getting a, instead of a answer to a question for if you're trying to do a story you get a statement <laughs> right yes the you emailed get, statement this is adams. And, and one thing about in, in adams uh backyard was hit hard by this storm and i i sympathize with adam and and bev but i uh the people that are doing this work out there i wonder if they know who adam sparks is i mean he's a big deal around here and, yes, he uh, is. And that's why we've got his answers to prove us wrong and make us look foolish. Today, we're going to predict some statistical leaders for Tennessee. A couple categories on offense, a couple categories on defense, and then also a Joe Milton-specific prediction. So John and I will go, and then we will reveal what Adam's answer uh, or his prediction is as well. So let's start on offense, John. And let's start with Tennessee's leading rusher. Now they return their top three running backs from last season, including their leading rusher and Jalen Wright. So he would be the naturally easy choice. Uh, But another veteran back as well in Jabari Small. He was about 100, 150 yards behind Jalen Wright's total last year. So how about this? How about you bat lead off on rushing and then I'll go first on the next category and, and Adam gets the final say from the envelope in each of these. So who are you predicting will be Tennessee's leading rusher? Blake, I will go with Jalen Wright. Uh, Tennessee has a great one-two punch in Jalen Wright and Javari Small. And I also think uh, they're going to get more, more help uh, this season as well from Dylan Sampson. Uh, so this is a, it's a, a pretty secure position, although you can get running back attrition really fast sometimes. However, I'll go with Jalen Wright. Uh, to me, the advantage he has, uh, more big play capability over Jabari Small. 
Uh, and I don't mean to knock Jabari Small because I think he's a good, tough runner. And I like having the two of them back there. It's a great one-two punch. But just because of that, he might break a big play or two that the Jabari Small wouldn't. So, so I would pick Jalen Wright. Okay, I know we're going to have some differences at some point, but uh, it's not going to be on this category. I, I agree with you and Jalen Wright. I, I, everything you just said, John, one-two punch is there. Tennessee's really blessed at this position. They're not going to have a first-team All-SEC running back, but they have a few proven options. Jabari Small, it seems like he's been here. Um, since the Butch Jones days, it really isn't that long. Um, but he's gotten a lot of playing time over the years and he does date back to the Jeremy Pruitt days. And, and, and you mentioned it with him. He, he can get you that tough yardage. Um, his durability is maybe not as proven as, as Jalen Wright's. He's dealt with some injuries over the years. He's a tough runner. So that's probably part of it. Um, but Jalen Wright, he's the leader in the clubhouse is the leading rusher from last season. And, I see no reason to change that pick. So I will go with that and revealing Adam's answer here. He says Jalen Wright as well. And boy, you, you passed with flying colors here, John, because he said Jalen Wright, uh, leading rusher last year. Also the big threat, the big play ability helps tip the scales for Jalen Wright for him. And you, you mentioned that as well. And Adam also mentioned, mentioned, um, you know, past injury issues with Jabari Small as being another reason why he went with with Jalen Wright. So, so we're in unison there. That might have been the easiest prediction of the three here, I think. So let's flip over to one on defense. Let's go to leading tackler for Tennessee. Now, much like the rushing situation, Tennessee's tackles leader earns this season. That's Aaron Beasley, who is switching linebacker spots though he's moving into that jeremy banks weak side linebacker role which we saw him play in in the orange bowl aaron beasley and it it was great for him he had 12 tackles in that game was really pressuring the quarterback as well so no reason to think that switching from middle linebacker to weak side linebacker will necessarily affect uh, aaron beasley's numbers in fact his tackle count might increase but also tennessee added an important transfer in middle linebacker Keenan Peely of BYU. So I will bat lead off here and you can play off me and we'll see where Adam goes. I'm actually going to swim a little bit upstream on this one. I think it's the, uh, maybe the riskier pick and I'm going to go with Peely in the middle of the defense. I'll say he, he just barely edges out Beasley in that tackle total. Um, I think those guys will be, be one, two. I think they're going to play a ton of snaps. Peely, he does have to prove himself at the SEC level. However, coming from BYU, where he was number third on the team in tackles last year, we know BYU plays a really strong schedule. You look at it last season, they played Oregon, they played Notre Dame, they played Arkansas, uh, Boise State, Liberty, Baylor. Like It's going to be a step up in the SEC, sure, but BYU plays physical football games, um, so it's not going to be a total 180 for Peely. Being right in the heart of it all, uh, I'm going to go with him to just barely edge out Aaron Beasley in the tackle total. That's a tough question. My first inclination was to go the way you did with Peely uh, because he will be the primary run stopper. 
However, I go back to the Orange Bowl when Beasley had 12 tackles. I think he's a very intuitive player, and I, that role will serve him more, serve him well. He'll be better at that position than Jeremy Banks was. I, I don't Agreed have any doubt about that. And Jeremy Banks put up pretty big numbers. So I think Aaron Beasley will be the leading tackler. Okay. All right. I don't have too much objection to that. I, I was uh, That may have been the one I was debating the most is uh is leading tackler i i almost went beasley but thought i'd i'd go out on a little more of a limb and go with the newcomer peely uh looking at adam's answer here he also says beasley so you are two for two in agreeing with adam john which might be the safe place to 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 be uh adam thinks beasley is going to be even uh more well suited for that weak side linebacker role uh, than he was at middle linebacker. So he led the led the team in tackles last year at his old spot. Adam likes what he saw from Beasley in the Orange Bowl. So he has, is picking him without hesitation to lead the team in tackles again. Let's flip over, John, back to offense. And Tennessee has to replace its leading receiver, Jalen Hyatt, last year. The Bolitnikoff winner had more than 1,200 receiving yards, almost double the number two total. It wasn't like Tennessee lacked for good supporting receivers, but Jalen Hyatt as a deep threat uh, really piled up the the yards. He he led in yards. He led in receptions. He led in touchdowns by a landslide with 15. Got to replace that. So, you know, probably three or four options, I feel like, on this one and leading receiver. And I'm going to, I've already got my pick locked in, but I'm going to make you go first. Well, I, I love Tennessee's receiving core. I think it can be even better than last year. And I think it's Dante Thornton, the transfer from Oregon, will fit in and will give it a little more depth. I know uh, Josh Heupel likes to go with the same group, but I think he will he will sub for those guys on varying series. So I, I think you'll have great production uh, from all four. Uh, but I like Squirrel White. Uh, great in the uh in the orange bow he's got speed he's got quickness the thing about Heupel's offense he gets players open he gets receivers open and squirrel white in the open field will be a handful so i think some 20 yard uh pass completions could turn into 60 yard touchdowns with him but i yeah i easily could pick brew mccoy and and Ramel Keaton has a great relationship uh, with uh, with Joe Milton, the quarterback. They worked together as backups last season, and Keaton has gotten better and better and better. So any one of those guys could come up, maybe have the most catches. But I'll go with the I'll go with the uh, potential uh, big play threat in in Squirrel White. Yeah, you mentioned the the four there that I think are are candidates for this with. Squirrel White and Brew McCoy maybe are the two biggest headliners, uh, but then also Ramel Keaton as well in that conversation. And Dante Thornton, who we talked about a lot last week as the newcomer from Oregon, who's uh, really getting a lot of rave reviews. Uh, if you listen to, to different sources from outside the program throughout the throughout the preseason, so four good options. Um, I I really thought about Squirrel White too, John, and it. And he may well be the guy because of the, his ability, I think, to get downfield, take the top off the defense. And we know how much Josh Heupel likes dialing up the deep threats. And we know 
Joe Milton certainly can can chuck it uh, up to 80 yards if he's got the time to do so. But I went with what I thought might be the safest choice here, and I went with Brew McCoy. He was number two on the team last year in receptions, number two in receiving yards. He he can you know he can he can catch the passes downfield, but he's a little bit more of a possession receiver than some of these take the top off the defense guys. So I do worry about maybe, I don't know if worry is the right word. It doesn't really matter to me that much whether I'm right about this. Uh, but I do think there's a possibility that someone who has maybe more uh, downfield potential does does lead. But I'll take the guy that I think is going to lead them in receptions to also lead in receiving yards and uh, go with maybe the safest choice in Brew McCoy. The other thing, John, is I wonder if if Dante Thornton will take any snaps from squirrel white um you know certainly josh heupel could play four wide outs and, and put four out there together in a certain package but um you know i do wonder you know last year jalen hyatt really wasn't sharing much much time he was he was logging a lot of snaps till he didn't play there at the end of the season but if thornton cuts into squirrels snaps at all um i, I think that's advantage brew mccoy because i think he could be the snap count leader at the position. So before we get to Adam's pick, what do you think about me going with, with brew rather than squirrel? Oh, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, one of the things I most like about this receiving core is I think their skill sets complement one another so well. It's a very diverse group. You talked about squirrel having that, that deep play speed. Brew McCoy has a great ability. If it's a jump ball and he has to go up and beat a defender one-on-one He's so strong. I see him winning those battles far more often than not. And I think Ramel Keaton is a guy that also can go deep and he can make tough catches. He's willing to sacrifice his body to make difficult catches. So then you add in Dante Thornton, who seemingly has speed and height. I just really like this uh, receiving core. I do too. I I, I think there's, there's a number of good choices to answer this question. And and that brings us to Adam's selection. And it's as if John, you guys were conferring about this before the podcast that did that happen? Did you not fill me in that uh, one of you was cheating off the homework or the other? Cause I was not clued into, to that uh, cheating situation there. Cause you guys are uh, you're three for three. He went with uh, squirrel white as, as well. So who's copying off who here? Well, I mean, I'm much older than Adam and I wonder if maybe he looks at me as a mentor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so, that so, would, so many so many sports writers have come and gone at Knox News over the years, John. That I know considered you a a mentor, and some of our readers are are convinced that you are behind the curtain or uh, a puppet master pulling the strings on on all of us. I, I know maybe, I, maybe that is the case with with Adam. No, I think you had the appropriate reaction. You laughed loudly when I said, "I wondered if Adam sees me as a mentor." Uh, <laughs> He doesn't need any mentoring. So, but that's interesting that we have the, maybe you just want to be different. Maybe you're the contrarian in the group. Yeah. Perhaps I'm thinking of trying to, the entertainment value of this podcast and trying to predict what others will say. So I say (laughs) something different, right? Uh, But no, Adam, uh, for reasons that, that we've talked about here, uh, Squirrel White's deep, deep play, uh, deep, deep threat ability and, Adam not only thinks Squirrel's going to lead in yards, but he says he's going to lead in receptions as well, which would put him in the Jalen Hyatt category. Hyatt led 
in uh, receptions, yards, and touchdowns was the had the had the clean sweep there. So uh, Adam at least thinks that Squirrel's going to get it done in receptions and yards, and apparently he does not share my concern about uh, anybody eating into Squirrel White's snap count. So uh, you guys are are locked there. Uh, we, that brings us to sacks, John. And I think this was, as I thought about this podcast, I thought this maybe had the best chance for uh, any number of directions here. Because if you go back to last season, Byron Young was undeniably Tennessee's best pass rusher. But he's in the NFL now. And then you look at it last year, and there was more than a half dozen guys who finished the season with either two or three sacks. But then there was nobody until you jump up to Byron Young who had seven sacks. And and several of those guys that had, had two or three sacks last year are back this season. So any number of ways you can go here. I'm batting leadoff. I say this one without a ton of conviction, not because I don't think he's going to play well, but you know, I, I think there's there's five or six guys that could lead in this category. I'm going to go with Tyler Barron, who is probably going to start on the strong side off the edge. He had two and a half sacks last season. Veteran guy, um, fourth year in the program. Again, I don't I don't know that he can match the Byron Young total of seven sacks last year. I don't know that anybody on this team can. But Tyler Barron had four sacks two years ago, two and a half last year. I, I feel like he might be the safest pick of the bunch. And so I might have gone on, out on a limb with a couple of these other guys, but I'll take the the safe option, I feel like, in Tyler Barron, uh, who, who did have two and a half sacks last season. I don't know if there is a safe option here. That's that's probably true. Yeah, uh, I think I'll go back right back to Aaron Beasley. And again, maybe I'm putting too much weight on the orange bow, but his ability to make plays, I think that was very apparent. He made more plays than his predecessor at the position who opted out of the game, Jeremy Banks. It shows that that position lends itself to big plays, and sacks, of course, are big plays. And maybe they will find ways to even expand his role, Aaron Beasley, to make him a threat in the pass rush. Tennessee needs a better pass rush overall. And I think perhaps he's a guy to which you would look and say, okay, how can we put him in a position to make some sacks? So I'll go with Aaron Beasley. I thought about him, too. I think he would have been my my number two choice, John. It, it sort of depends how much they blitz with him. Uh, Tennessee relied on its its pass rush, its blitz packages a lot last year because they were really uh, vulnerable in the back end of that defense. If they need to do that a lot this year and be aggressive on defense, blitz blitz a lot, I think I think Beasley's got a good chance because he's going to be freed up at that weak side position uh, to really get after it. He had two sacks against Clemson in the Orange Bowl, had a sack against South Carolina last November. So we didn't see him a ton in that role last year because he was in the middle linebacker spot for most of the season while Banks was in more of that freewheeling weak side role. But a full year playing from the weak side, depending on the number of blitz packages Tennessee dials up for him, that that could be a pretty good choice, I think. Yeah, I I wouldn't be totally surprised if uh, DBs figure in those sack totals as well. Because Tim Bikes, the defense coordinator, has been really creative about 
uh, blitzes and and a number of defensive quarters now find ways to get their DBs in position to make sacks. It's uh, the goal is to confuse the quarterback and to make him where he doesn't know where the pressure could be coming from. And sometimes it could come late. Sometimes it could come early. So you get the DBs involved, but I guess we're talking about a really uh, a pass rush by committee. I mean, there's no Will Anderson out there that's just going to dominate the 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 charge against an opposing quarterback. Yeah, and and for that matter, I don't, there's no Derek Barnett. There's no yeah. Daryl Taylor going back a few years ago for Tennessee, who led him in sacks a couple years in a row. Um, and and there's no Byron Young even. I, I think I would say Tennessee's sacks leader will have fewer than seven sacks, which was Byron Young's total last season. Do you, would you agree with that, John? Or do you think that, that the leader, whoever it is, will exceed that seven sack total of Byron Young? I think it would be close. I think probably will be right around there, six, seven, eight, but also think the overall sack total will be higher. It needs to be higher. Yeah, I, I could buy that. I, I think it'll come up just shy of seven for the leader, but the, the team total might be a couple of sacks higher. Adam, I, I knew there was going to be one where Adam was would, sh- would, would show us up, show he's the smartest guy. Of course, it's easy to do when you're mailing in the statement, right? Uh, but Adam went in an entirely different direction here. He goes with Arizona State transfer interior defensive lineman Omar Norman Lott. Uh, Adam says Norman Lott, despite being an interior defensive lineman, is a better pass rusher than he is a run stopper. He's he's more more of a pass rush guy. Uh, so he, he's had two sacks each of the last uh, two seasons for Arizona State. So four sacks the last two years. Uh, defensive line coach Rodney Gardner has consistently referred to him as a slippery player. I guess that's that's a good thing, right? You're trying to slip past the <laughs> the offensive line. So Adam, uh, taking the unconventional choice here, uh, I think going with an interior defensive lineman, uh, the the transfer, Om- Omar Norman Lott. Yeah, that he may have forced that one. I think that was a – He's breaching. Yeah, I think what he was trying to do there, Joe, I'm smarter than these guys. Here's why. And let's face it, seven, eight, nine weeks from now, nobody's going to remember who picked whom. So uh, probably you, a good you don't give Tennessee fans enough credit, John. Somebody's bookmarking this right now and is going to come back at us uh, in the early in November and try to tell us we're all idiots, which based on your and I's email inbox is a daily occurrence, right? Sure. All right. Well, I got one more for us. This one is, is a little bit different because we expect Joe Milton will be the, the starting quarterback enough that he's going to lead the team in passing yards. So it's kind of silly to have a pick where we all take Milton to lead in passing yards. So instead of picking who will lead in passing yards, I've got a number set here for Milton. 3,000 yards. Will Joe Milton be the next 3,000-yard passer for Josh Heupel? For reference, Hendon Hooker through for 31-35 last year, but it's worth keeping in mind 
Hooker did not play against Vanderbilt, did not play in the bowl game uh, to get to that total. So Milton could average fewer yards per game and still get to 3,000 yards as long as he were to play wire to wire and not be out like Hooker was for two games with injury. For, for additional reference, John, there were five SEC quarterbacks last season that threw for at least 3,000 yards. Stetson Bennett was the conference's leader in passing yards. Of course, he was helped by the fact that he played 15 games. Georgia won the national championship, so he had a little more time to do it. Uh, Will Rogers, Bryce Young, Hinnon Hooker, Spencer Rattler also threw for at least 3,000 yards. So Joe Milton, yay or nay, he will throw for at least 3,000 yards. What say you? In uh, Josh Heupel's offense, uh, with we've already talked about how good the receiving core is. If Joe Milton doesn't hit that 3,000-yard mark, uh, well, I think uh, the offense might be a bit of a disappointment. Now, they could run the ball – the, the counterpoint to this is that Tennessee could run the ball more. That I go back when I look at what, what Josh Heupel did at Central Florida. There was one of those years where he was he leaned heavily on the run. He had like a four-man rotation in there, really rushed for a lot of yards, and there was a quite a drop-off in passing yardage. So that's a possibility. Uh but you're basically saying you want your quarterback to throw for 250 yards a game. I think Joe Milton will do that. Uh, he may have some games close, 380, maybe pushing 400 or something. But the balance aspect of it, that makes it a not a sure thing. Then Tennessee could still, they could still be successful. I think I'm contradicting myself. It could still be it could still be successful if the runs the ball really well and Joe Milton throws for maybe 240, 245 yards per game. Well, and even 240, as long as Tennessee plays in a bowl game and Milton plays in all those games, he needs to average 231 game to get to if he's playing in 13 games. That's the key there. If he plays in all 13 games, if he averages 231 a game passing he will top 3,000 yards I think he does that I actually think he surpasses Hendon Hooker's total passing yards amount I don't know that he will exceed Hendon Hooker's per game total I tend to think not but because Hooker did not play in two games I think that gives the opportunity for Milton to just barely pass Hooker's season total and so much of my answer here is is yeah it's based on some of what we saw from Milton in the Orange Bowl but it's also based on Josh Heupel's track record. You go back to Drew Locke when Heupel was the offensive coordinator at Missouri. Locke threw for almost 4,000 yards with Heupel as his offensive coordinator. Dylan Gabriel at UCF twice threw for more than 3,500 yards as Heupel's starting quarterback. Then you add in Hendon Hooker, despite being out with injury for two games, he threw for more than 3,100 yards. So the track record is there that. If you're the starter in Josh Heupel's system, there's a really good chance you're going to throw for at least 3,000. So I agree with you. I say Joe Milton does it. I say that he actually exceeds Hinden Hooker's total passing yardage without exceeding Hinden Hooker's yards per game total. 
Yeah, and I guess one other aspect of this you could look at is I think there are quite a few games on the schedule that won't be close. Uh, the first two, for example, that how early would they take Joe Milton out of games uh, and give Nico Yama Alava a chance to to play some because you want to develop your backup too in case Milton is injured. So he might he might miss some reps in the fourth quarter. I think you know four or five games on this schedule he may not play uh, beyond the third quarter. There's that possibility. I guess that's a a best case Tennessee scenario that five of the games aren't even, they're already decided after the third quarter. (laughs) Well, and that might be influencing Adam's pick here as, as we wrap this up, because Adam, this is like the, the price is right total where you come up just to the number and you go just over stop short or something. Adam predicts (laughs) just short of 3000 yards for Joe Milton. Adam's number is two ninety nine eight, So two yards shy of hitting the 3000 mark. I think maybe uh, as, as, as I interpret Adam's Adam, Adam's thoughts here, I think he might be sharing your thought, John, of some possible blowout games against inferior opponents where maybe Joe Milton gets a quick hook. Nico gets some extended playing time and uh, piles up some big, big stats of his own in relief duty. And, uh, and I also think Adam from our previous conversations, I feel like he, he thinks Tennessee might be a little bit more reliant than usual, even on its run game this year. And but he's not he's not really going in too much of a direction the other way there to say twenty nine ninety eight is kind of the contrarian pick, I guess. Well, I wonder when I heard that ninety eight ninety eight there at the end of his prediction, if he's <laughs> if this is really sort of a uh, tip of the hat to the twenty fifth anniversary of the ninety eight national championship team. I bet that's what it is. Adam's playing chess. We're playing checkers. Of course, that's easier to do when you're mailing in your your answers to the test. Uh, all right, Adam will hopefully be with us back next week. You can find all of his coverage as the preseason continues and the season opener uh, gets closer over at knoxnews.com. Uh, if you like what you hear on this podcast, we would appreciate it if you take a moment on your podcast app, give us a rating or review. Uh, not only uh, do we enjoy hearing your feedback on the podcast, but also those ratings and reviews are really helpful in allowing us to get in front of new listeners. And we will be back with you next week for another installment of the Volunteer State. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.